0: Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays with the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars comics and canon. The force is strong with this one. <laughs> Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings yet another High Republic book review. So my friends, welcome. Happy 2023 to any of you listeners. I hope that the end of 2022 was enjoyable for you and that 2023 has brought you nothing but good fortune so far. But this week I am doing yet another book review. What a way to start off 2023, but for the first book in the High Republic Phase 2. Now, if you haven't joined me before on any of my book reviews, basically I'll do spoiler free to begin with, just after I've done some personnel information on who wrote it when it came out, a little bit of background information, etc. Do spoiler free thoughts, then I give mild spoilery thoughts, so it's more so what information is like on the blurb, what kind of information do you get from the first couple of chapters, what sort of stuff has been announced in the press releases, those sorts of things. Then I give a bit Bigger spoiler warning and then i give my full spoilery thoughts including a general overview of the plot so you have an understanding of what's going on if you haven't picked up the book yourself but if you have picked up the book yourself you get a much more in-depth look into my feelings towards the book so that's generally what you can expect from this episode and as always, check out the description. In there I put lots of information of other guest spots I've been doing recently, my other shows, as well as other episodes that will link to this one that you may find interesting, primarily the High Republic stuff. And also please make sure you go to youtube.com slash genuine chit chat because over there I've put all of my episodes of Styles Comics in Canon, as well as all the episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, many of which have got videos, plus a few other collaboration things I've done across the pod world. That's also on my YouTube channel too, and also on YouTube everything is in playlists. So if this is your first time listening and you just want to hear everything about The High Republic, then go over to YouTube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat, find The High Republic playlist, and then there you can listen to all my book reviews as well as my standard episodes where I go through every comic that's been released under The High Republic banner and everything like that so you can get a really good understanding of The High Republic. So with all that waffle out of the way, let's just get into the release and personal information first. So the book itself is called Path of Deceit. It is written by Tessa Grattan as well as Justina Ireland. Now Justina Ireland has been one of the High Republic architects, so she was there from the beginning, and she has written three High Republic books, which is the junior novel A Test of Courage, the young adult novel Out of the Shadows, and then the junior novel Mission to Disaster. I've tackled all of those books and they are all fantastic, so I was very excited to get my hands on this one. Now Path of Deceit is a young adult book, so YA, much like Out of the Shadows was, I want no want to be dissuade from picking this up because it's a young adult book young adult books in star wars especially are absolutely amazing some of the stories and the relationships and things do not suffer in any way by the bracket if anything a lot of them have been improved i always say that lost stars by claudia gray i think is arguably the best star wars book in canon and that book is a ya book so and there's loads of other examples i could give but this isn't just a ya podcast so uh you know don't be put off by a ya banner but with this one as well, it was released October 4th in 2022 in the US. It said everywhere online that's when it would kind of be released in the UK and then no one in the UK got their deliveries for like another month or so. So I don't know if there's delivery error or what, but it was basically October, November of 2022. And that's when phase two of the High Republic kickstarted. So for anyone new to the High Republic, if you'll know what that is, obviously check out my other episodes because I go in-depth in those. But in brief, Phase 1 of the High Republic was set 200 years before the Phantom Menace, and then Phase 2 is set around 150 years before that. So all of Phase 2 is going to take place around 350 years before the Skywalker Saga, before the Phantom Menace, all that sort of stuff. There might be a small amount of time jumps within the Phase, because in Phase 1, for example, it was across the space of like one and a half to two years. So there is a very small amount of difference there, but in general you can kind of take 150 years before Phase 1, which is about 350 years before the Skywalker Saga. Now because it's 150 years prior to Phase 1, it means that barely any of the characters are in it. Obviously characters such as Mars Kanata or Yoda who live to hundreds and hundreds of years old, they pop up a little bit. Uh, Not specifically in this book, but they will be popping up in Phase 2. But generally speaking, it's all new characters because the average age of humanoids in Star Wars is, you know, 80 to 100 years. So everyone's basically pre-birth. It's before anyone's really around. So it's a really interesting new look at lots of new characters, which I will be delving into in the mild spoilery part, kind of the mild spoilery part, and then somewhat into the more spoilery part, depending on which character I'm talking about and in what detail. But as well as this being in phase two, this is wave one. So I think they're going to do phase two in a similar way they did phase one, which is three waves of content. So basically every six months, new content comes out. So for the first six months, you get a YA book, a junior novel, and an adult novel. And then also you normally get like a mini series of comics, and then one full story arc of an ongoing comic series. There's normally two comic series, The High Republic and then The High Republic Adventures. So each wave is like a collection of those things. So you normally get about six months or so after the books come out to then read them all get up to date before the next one comes out so that's that's always what i'm trying to do uh, and i've only just finished reading this one but i am part way through the next one which is going to be quest for the hidden city which is a junior novel before i delve into the big boy uh, which is convergence so those are the three books that you get for phase two wave one of the High republic And this phase is all about frontier exploration and finding different places in the galaxy. This was a time in the High Republic where they were sending out pathfinding teams, so sending out hyperspace prospectors and things like that. Basically, people go to planets to make sure the world is livable or if there's any hostile beings living on there or if there's any sentient beings that could join the republic things like that while just generally exploring the galaxy trying to map as much of the galaxy as they could while also trying to create hyperspace lanes so hyperspace lanes aren't just this natural thing that existed i mean there's the rumor or legend in Star Wars about the Pergil kind of creating hyperspace lanes, but I'm not going to delve into all that folklory stuff inside something that's already fantasy. It's a bit too complex, and for now, it's just kind of hearsay. But in short, you go hyperspace, it's basically going a certain percentage over light speed, and when ships go like that, they obviously need directions. Well, how would people know that if you go through a certain star system that there's not, like, a very frequent meteor shower or something, or the gravitational pull of one of the suns is so strong that if you fly through it, you'll just get pulled in? Well this era of star wars is one of the exploration times of this happening so we get a lot of characters that are going to be going to new worlds new places they haven't been to still quite young feeling in the republic even though in the canon we don't really know how old the republic is like we know that the sith and jedi wars kind of ended around a thousand years before the sky saga much like it did in legends but i have a suspicion that the legends timeline and the canon timeline are going to vary hugely because in this one for example you can't even send messages from one planet to another planet really easily i mean I mean if the planet's in the same system i think you might be able to but like if you're on the core worlds or you're on the outer rim you're like a huge huge distance away from each other then you can't just Send a com like you would normally. You can't speak to them in hollow projection. You have to give the information to a droid, and then this droid has to go across the galaxy to then deliver the message. That was something that the High Republic authors specifically said about this era when they were kind of promoting Phase Two and when they were talking about it before any content came out. So it's really an interesting thing where the the technology is regressing as we're starting to see, and that's why I think the canon and the Legends are going to really differ because in Legends you go back like ten thousand years, and basically the technology is identical. All the lightsabers are the same. All the ships can basically fly the same it's, it's quite odd um, I've not gone back that far in Legends but I, I did listen to the Revan book um, audiobook which was 5,000 years I think before the Skywalker saga couldn't even tell it's literally no different. Like, <laughs> Apart from the fact that there's big wars going on and the Sith are about, there's not really any difference. So I think with the canon, that's what they're going to try and do. They're going to try and change it so that if you go back and you go to the Old Republic, it actually feels like the Old Republic rather than it just looking like the Republic with loads of new characters, which is an issue that Legends kind of had. But yeah, that's sort of an overview of what you could expect from both this book, Path of Deceit, but also Phase 2 as a whole, as a widening part of this multimedia project. So it's very, very exciting to delve into it. I've just given a bit of information and stuff about this, and so let's delve into my spoiler-free review of this book. In short, I absolutely loved it. Uh, To be honest with you, I think this is probably the best young adult book of the High Republic ones we've had so far. Obviously, the first was Into the Dark, then it was Out of the Shadows, and then it was Midnight Horizon. Now, I said in all those reviews that I did enjoy those books. It is true, but I felt like they were the weaker books of the first phase of the High Republic. Now, I haven't read any of the books from The High Republic Phase 2, I'm like partway through Quest for the Hidden City at the moment, I have not yet started on Convergence, so I can't confirm how they're all going to compare, I'll probably do that in the Convergence review, I'll just compare it to Hidden City as well as this book. But this is a really, really strong start, it was quite interesting that the Star Wars deciding to, or Lucasfilm, deciding to release a young adult novel as the first book in Phase 2 of The High Republic, and they're really pushing, saying, this is a very important book, make sure you pick it up. I think it's probably because some of the books from Phase 1 of The High Republic that we young adult didn't sell as well as the adult books the junior novels potentially um, but I still think it's really really good um, really really enjoyed Path of Deceit and it's one of those books that it takes a when it starts I think because it's a new phase of the High Republic, it takes a little while just to kind of wrap your head around stuff. Because I'm a very visual person, so when I get all these new characters and stuff, I found it a little bit, in um, like the Jedi. When there's all these different characters and stuff, it's just a bit overwhelming at times, and I'm like, okay, who's this person? Is this a Jedi or are they or whatever? Um, but once I kind of got a few chapters in, it was a lot clearer. Um, I would say that currently reading Quest for the Hidden City is actually causing me more confusion than Path of Deceit, um so that's good. But then neither of them are especially confusing. It's just obviously new content, new characters, etc. You know. When you read a Star Wars book about Luke Skywalker, you know who he is and anyone else is kind of not as relevant. Whereas in The High Republic, you don't know which characters are more relevant than other ones. So you kind of have to pay attention to all of them, really. But yeah, I thought the pacing was really good. I think the mystery and the intrigue getting unraveled as it goes on was really interesting as well. I found the ending was satisfying too. And it does really bring a lot of intrigue into phase two of The High Republic because, well, I found it was a prequel. I was like, okay, it's a prequel. There's, in theory, not going to be any Nile in it because it's 150 years before and we've not really heard about the Nile much. So it's like, well, who's going to be the antagonist? What's going to where's this all going and I think I'm starting to get a sense of where phase two is going to be going um I won't mention it here until I'm in the spoilery part but I'm really intrigued I'm quite thrilled really and uh, I'm just I'm chomping at the bit to read Convergence but I'm trying to make sure I read things in chronological order so I can do these reviews in chronological order without missing stuff Uh, and also uh, after reading the YA book I want a nice little short book that's quite easy which is a junior novel before embarking on the big Convergence which obviously is an adult novel with 400 odd pages and small font etc. So, Path of the Deceit, I think, is really, really well written. I don't know how Justina Ireland and Tessa Grattan did a co author of this, like how they both wrote it. Like, I would be really interested to know, maybe it's online, I just haven't looked enough, but like, did one of them rewrite one chapter and the other one wrote another one, or did one of them write, like, the draft of it and the other one tweaked it and added more is like halfway through the book it stopped like i'd be really interested to know because you can't really feel it there was one or two chapters that i thought this feels a little bit different to the prior chapter but i don't know if that was in my head or not like i don't know if someone gave me this book and said it's written by one person i would have even noticed that but that's something i was quite intrigued by when i heard two people were writing it like obviously all the high republic authors or at least the main five architects have a degree of a hand in the high republic content that comes out just because they've laid the foundations for it but having two people actually write a book yeah, is interesting, and so the characters in this book I really, really enjoy i'm not going to delve into them here i'm going to do my spoiler-ish review in a minute and then i'll I'll give a little bit more detail you know i'll read the blurb and name some of the characters a bit more but i really liked all the characters here i found they were very balanced i found the dialogue was really good i was really intrigued there's a very smidge of a a romantic plot which i really really enjoyed as well as i I think i say in every ya review and probably every other review i do i am a sucker for teenage romance ideally before it kind of becomes that thing of you know when life gets in the way when you have to work out if the person that you're physically attracted to are you going to spend your life with them them? Are they financially viable? Do you both want kids or not? You know, all these complicated things that you have to think of when you're an adult. When you're just like a teenager, especially like a 14 year old or so, yeah, a physical relationship may become a part of whatever relationships you're pursuing, but that's not necessarily at the forefront. Normally it's just kind of finding someone else who kind of gets you a little bit, or at least that's what I kind of understand about the transformative years, both of my own youth and other stuff that I've uh, read and media that I've consumed. So I really like that. I like the the innocence of it in a lot of ways. So I really liked that. I thought the action set pieces in this were written really well I thought that the lore of it what we're getting added to the world is really really interesting and I just found that the way it was all done you're kind of getting breadcrumbs and you're getting hints of what may or may not be happening and I quite enjoy that along the way I'm kind of like very gently being guided a certain way and it doesn't necessarily go how you think which is good that's what you want from a book you want to be thrilled by it you want to be intrigued by it but you also don't want it to be predictable But you also don't want to just kind of be thrown in the deep end all the time and just completely lost on what on earth is going on. So I found this book did a lot better than the other YA books. And it might be just because there were two authors to kind of course correct each other. There wasn't the thing, and this is seemingly a buzzword, there wasn't a lull. Now I've said in all my other young adult reviews that there's a bit of a lull in the middle. You get like halfway through the book and then before the big event starts to happen, people just kind of meander around and don't really do much. Now I feel like in Phase 1 they were held back a little bit because they couldn't push too far because there's a big event that happens in the Fallen Star and then that kind of ripples across so that kind of hindered it a little bit I think with Midnight Horizon and then I I just think the the YA books kind of have to play it a bit differently in Phase 1 than they seemingly have had to in Phase 2 but I didn't find this book had a lull. I didn't find at any point there were chapters that were weaker. I wasn't like, oh, can we get on with it? It was always something either lore, intrigue or action wise that kept me interested. And so I really, really appreciated that. So I this is definitely better than the other YA books thus far that I still enjoyed. I would probably say it's more enjoyable than the junior novels maybe it's pretty damn close i'd say compared to the adult novels at phase one i think rising storm is still the best and i think like the jedi is probably still second but i think this is very very close i, I think that i would say this is as good as light of the jedi in very different ways you know like the jedi is throwing you in in the deep end you know into this whole new world this whole new era of star wars you've got this incredible big event that's going on you've got like 50 characters that are all trying to get stuff done you're trying to work out what's happening action wise plot wise interpersonal relationship wise and all that stuff but once you kind of get over the first third of the book of like the jedi it's incredible Whereas this book, there wasn't really that hump. There wasn't a hurdle to get over. I said, you know, first chapter or two, it's a bit like, okay, who is any of these people? Because I've never heard their names before. Once you get over that, which you get pretty much with any book, then it becomes a lot easier to kind of uh, focus on things. But I absolutely loved this. Uh, As I said, I think this is in the top three High Republic books. And I think, apart from Lost Stars, I think this is probably the best young adult star wars book that i've read thus far i haven't read them all but i've read quite a few of them and i think that lost stars is is god tier to be honest with you i think lost stars is one of the best if not the best star wars book i've read then this one um i've read some of the other ones you know um i've done reviews on padawan i've read leia princess of Alderaan. Uh, i've read ahsoka like quite a few of them i haven't read all the ya books but i've read quite a few i haven't read the queen's trilogy but from the ones i've read i think this is definitely one of the best ones So that's more or less everything uh, from this spoiler-free part. So that means I'm going to move on to the slightly more spoilery stuff. So I'm going to talk a little bit more openly about some of the themes. I'm going to mention some of the characters. But I'm going to start all of this off by reading the blurb of the book so you get a good understanding of what the publishers want you to know to potentially get you to read the book. uh, And then we'll go from there. So, an era of change brings new hopes and possibilities, but also new dangers. The Outer Rim planet Dalna has become the focus of a Jedi investigation into a stolen Force artifact, and Zala Makri and her Padawan Kevmo Zink arrive on the pastoral world to follow up on a possible connection to a Dalna missionary group called the Path of the Open Hand. Members of the Path believe that the Force must be free and should not be used by anyone, not even the Jedi. One such believer is Marda Rowe, a young woman who dreams of leaving Dalna to spread the word of the Path throughout the galaxy. When Marda and Kevmo meet, their connection is instantaneous and electric, until Marda discovers Kevmo is a Jedi. But Kevmo is so kind and eager to learn more about the Path that she hopes she can convince him of the rightness of her beliefs. What Marda doesn't realise is that the leader of the Path, a charismatic woman known only as the Mother, has an agenda of her own, and it is one that can never coexist peacefully with the Jedi, and in order to follow her faith, Marda may have to choose to become her friend's worst enemy. So as I've said numerous times in these reviews, I don't actually read the blurbs before reading the book because I just am going to pick up all the books anyway, so why mildly spoil myself with it? But I thought that for yourselves, it's a really good idea to kind of understand where this book is coming from, especially if you haven't read this book and you intend to, or you want to get a general understanding of what the book's all kind of about. Obviously, reading what the publisher slash author has written is probably going to be a lot more articulate than anything I can waffle out here. But in short it's a story about a cult and I find cults very intriguing cults and religions are two elements of life that I do find very intriguing and so when it's in my fantasy media it excites me even more so there's a handful of characters some of them were named in that blurb but basically you've got the mother the herald padawan Kevmozink master Zala Macri uh, Mardaro and then her I think cousin or sister Yanaro I think it's the cousin and so the first thing that screams out is if anyone has consumed it content from phase one of the high republic you will recognize the surname roe especially as the character's called marder roe because obviously the main antagonist in phase one of the high republic is Markion roe so part of what i think phase two is going to be doing is showing what happens to this species ever which is discussed a lot in this book and what happened to them making them go from what they are here to what they become or what at least one of them becomes in phase one of the High Republic. Now, I think the most information we've got about Ever-Renny people is from the Eye of the Storm comics. There's two of them. They're written by Charles Saul. I believe timeline-wise, they're like the furthest in the High Republic timeline, like the latest. And I have done an episode on them. So if you go back and listen to episode 94 of Styles Comics in Canon, you can hear all about those comics, Mark rowe and the Ever-Renny people. So in this book, you've got a few storylines going on. You've got what's happening with the Mother, and then by proxy with Mardaro and Yarnaro, all a part of the Path of the Open Hand. That's obviously connected with the Herald as well, who's kind of like the right-hand man of the Mother, and you find out he was the leader of the Path of the Open Hand until the Mother showed up. And then you've got Kevmo Zink and Zala Makri, who are the two Jedi dispatched, or the Padawan and Master dispatched to find this force artifact that's gone missing so it's all kind of them trying to figure out what's going on with the path of the open hand trying to investigate and stuff but Kevmo is getting tangled up with Marda Rowe that's in short what's happening so it's very much from the perspective of Kevmo and Marda. they're kind of two people on opposite sides it's not dissimilar from a Romeo and Juliet style story obviously two people from different walks of life who get a connection stuff but it's not strictly that I don't want to say hey yeah that's exactly what happens in the book because it's, it's not it's not a retelling of Romeo and Juliet it's just a nice comparison Now, one of the things I really enjoy about the themes in this book are, well, there's a variety of them. One of them is obviously the use of the force and things, the path of the open hand. Say, if you use the force, it can hurt people across the galaxy or prevents the force from naturally making things happen that it should do across the galaxy. There's lots of kind of reasons and things that the path of the open hand air quotes believe that's the reason why you should use the force. So I very much like that idea of people actually resisting people like the jedi using force powers i don't think that's really been explored in the canon very much aside from normally bad people who are jealous of the jedi's powers like grievous and things like that usually they're just oh jedi have magic powers that's cool that's more or less the end of it so it was interesting seeing that there are certain force users or cults or groups of people who know about the force and are in tune with it in some way that don't want it to be used so i really like that element of things and i also like the mystery trying to work out what's happening and in the midst of that there's like a natural disaster that occurs and you've got some quite tense moments and one of the things i find very thrilling is that because you you don't know what happens to any of these characters it's very tense There's actually like, with some of the other books I mentioned earlier, it's just you have a character like Luke Skywalker, if he's in a story, you know he's not going to die, so it's like, it does take away some of the tension from that, so I really enjoyed that element of things here too. And I also think this book does quite well showing the state of the universe at the moment, the state of the galaxy as a whole. It's basically, you know, people trying to go out and Jedi are trying to help people, but they've also got their own missions and stuff, they do kind of talk to the Republic about what they're doing, but they don't report to them in the same way that the prequel era Jedi do, and learning about all these force artifacts and stuff was quite cool there's one little conversation about Jeddah, and i know Jeddah's playing quite a central role in uh, the high republic in fact a couple days before this was released the battle of Jeddah audiobook has been released now so that is a sequel to both this and also convergence but it's his own kind of thing i haven't read it yet because obviously i haven't even started convergence but um is quite a main place obviously Jeddah being from rogue one is where it was first introduced to us in the canon But when they talk about Jedi, what's quite interesting is they talk about this Council of Force users. And there's a variety of different ones. There's like the Guardians of the Wills, the Jedi, the Sorcerers of Tond, the Church of the Force. And so it's interesting hearing about all these other Force users. Because especially in the Skywalker Saga, you don't really hear anything about any of them. The closest you get is Lor San Tekka, which is the gentleman at the start of The Force Awakens. He is a part of, I believe, the Church of the Force. That's pretty much it. But it doesn't get mentioned in the movies. You only know that from either visual dictionaries or reading other content that he's a part of. So I really like hearing more about those things. And one thing I really like as well is the idea of the other. So obviously in the current world, the current climate, and it has been for most of human history, if not all of it, there has been degrees of racism or tribalism or, you know, we're good over them, they're a bad. And one of the things I really thought worked very well in this book was with Marda Rowe being an Everenny, so blue-skinned or pale blue-skinned individual, and then Kevmo being a Pantoran, who is also a blue-skinned individual, when they speak with each other and when they interact there's none of this pullback because of an unfamiliar species and Marda, especially has been not necessarily mistreated but is noticeably treated differently by certain individuals due to her being an Evereni. So it links with that kind of cultural background of things. Obviously in current life we do have racism and things like that which is obviously horrendous but I like how in this it kind of lightly speaks about that issue, but in a much more of a positive way, being like, oh, you're like me, as opposed to being you're not like me, if you kind of know what I'm saying. It's trying to be a bit more optimistic in that way. At least that's how I kind of interpreted the interactions between Kevmo and Marder. And then there's some very important lessons here about what it's like when you kind of join a cult, in a sense, or join a collective and how it kind of becomes a cult in some ways and that there's certain things that you can't ask questions you can't do this you can't do that but you can do these things one rule for some run rule for the other you know it's it's a YA book so it is about certain characters finding themselves it's about Kevmo finding himself and Marder especially and just struggling with their personal desires and what their religious beliefs are and I think that's quite important as well because although myself I'm not a religious individual I do understand that a lot of people are religious and that people do struggle with their own religion you know You know, they believe 90% of it, but there's this part of it, this 10% that they really don't agree with. And it's like, well, do I follow this religion even though I don't agree with certain elements of it? You know, do I just kind of be like, this is the best I'm going to get, I should just go for it? Should you fight back? Should you kind of join the religion and should you kind of constantly question and try and change the ways the religion as a whole is going like how do you broach something like that this is on a much smaller scale the path of the open hand i think are only a few hundred or few thousand people whereas obviously major religions on earth is like millions and billions of people so it, it's very very different in that regard but i think that the scaling up and the commentary on that is, is very very important but yeah I think that's more or less what I'm going to be saying about that I've mentioned some of the characters and some of the themes and things but it's kind of hard I in fact had to just cut out something I said because it was quite spoilery so there are certain elements of this that I don't want people to have spoiled for them if you're going to pick up this book so this is your sort of final spoiler warning I'm then going to just speak a bit freely about this I'll give an overview on the plot and then we'll kind of go from there there will be major spoilers slightly towards the end because I am going to reveal the ending of this book so be aware of that but I would really really recommend people pick this up so one of the big things i loved about this book i alluded to earlier was there's a relationship between kevmo and marda and a lot of the time marda is trying to sort of fight with herself she's trying to work out whether or not her physical desires is worth her religious beliefs kind of being sidelined and the whole time with marda and kevmo i was just so bought in i was i didn't know what i wanted i I just want them to be together and to be happy but i knew it was a degree of incompatibility there and i was like well is marda gonna leave is kevmo gonna leave like i thought the latter was less likely but it was still a potential and it's very interesting to how the jedi of this era treat affection and connection differently to the way that the prequel era jedi kind of do it and i think that one of the things the high republic authors said was what they're going to try and do is show how the jedi kind of transformed from how they were to how they are and i think the acolyte is going to help that which is a series coming out in i think late 23 or maybe early 24 and that's going to be set i think 100 years before the phantom menace so it's still about 100 years after the Phase 1 of the High Republic thus far, and that means it's even more hundreds of years before this one. But I think this is playing a part of it, because we've seen a few times where attachment doesn't really end well for people with massive amount of power. And that's quite a common theme, I think, in Star Wars, when you get too attached and possessive, like Anakin became, as opposed to just being loving, in in air quotes, the right way. But then some of the other things about these characters. So I found that the mother, she was quite interesting. She was like maybe a prophet. Was she a leader? How does she get in there? But people, when they meet her, I was like somewhat enamored by her. They kind of have this weird feeling of just immediate trust and love and admiration for her. And I really liked that element. And there are some questions raised about her. And does she use the force? Does she give it back? The idea of the path of the open hand is is that someone can't use the force, you let the force come to you, and if it gives you something, you give it something in return. That's kind of how they work it. So I like that element. And then there's a dynamic between the mother and the herald. Now the herald is a nautolan, and he's had his tendrils cut, his head tendrils, uh, a same species as Kit Fisto that you saw in uh, the prequel movies, and the herald is constantly sort of plotting against the mother you don't really know the depths of it till towards the end but he was the leader and then the mother came in she became the leader and he's just kind of there he's on part of i think they have like this council or this sort of vague group of people who make the decisions and things but the herald is like number two he, he is just below the mother and it's interesting seeing him kind of plot against her while also being on her side so there is that spy intrigue espionage sort of vibe to things now his daughter is dating Yana Ro, so his daughter is Cor Pluth. Now Yana Ro, I mentioned, is the cousin of Mardaro. so he's got this thing where he doesn't really want his daughter to be with Yana, but then there's some stuff that goes on, and he's kind of gets closer to Yana. So I liked that element as well, the sort of father-daughter relationship, and how that can impede on religious beliefs or career progression or those sorts of things. Then Kevmo. Kevmo is a very overly enthusiastic, extroverted person. He's not overly tactile in a lot of ways. He's quite touchy, he's quite friendly, and he inadvertently flirts with people sometimes without realising. And he has some gold face tattoos that I really, really like and his whole time is just trying to find himself you know one of the best things about a lot of these padawan stories of the jedi is is basically someone having going through puberty which already causes a lot of confusion and obviously certain feelings of a physical nature as well as emotional feelings and all kinds of other stuff while he's also somewhat questioning his spiritual side because when you're a teenager that's a lot of the time that people change their religious preferences a lot of the time if someone's brought up brought up in a religious household they will then start questioning their religion around that age and so i think that kevmo does start to go through that as well so i really... Really, really likes that, and I thought he was a very interesting character. I did connect with him quite well, uh, and yeah, I just thought it was really really good character and his master zala she's very patient and she doesn't like being touched uh, she's very reserved she's quite held back she's a soiken uh so that's like Velkojehen, jehen and Velkojehen jehen was in the starlight stories which is episode 103 star Wars comics and canon they were the short stories uh, that were released kind of in star wars insider so go check those out if you want to hear more about the soiken species but they're basically humanoids but with like grace or silver skin in short there's a bit more to than that but i'm not going to delve into that here What I like about the Master and Padawan sort of relationship and the Jedi side is usually they are the opposites of each other in certain ways. One's a rebel, one's a rule follower. You know, you found that with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan followed the rules to a T and didn't want to upset the council, whereas Qui-Gon just kind of did what he wanted. He did what he believed the living force and the cosmic force wanted him to do, less so than what the council told him. And then we move on to the Rose. So you've got Marda Rowe, who is a young girl. She does seem to uh, connect with the force to a degree, but she's part of the path of open hand and she has been for a long period of time. Obviously living on Downer, it's like a commune sort of thing. And she joined the Path as a child. And when she did that, she was joined by her cousin Yana, who is older than Marda so Yana is someone who goes out for the path and goes to try and collect artifacts usually by liberating them with violent means and uh, getting them for the path of the open hand stealing them from Jedi or other people just so they can't use these force artifacts so Yana's going off and doing all these things but doing it in secret trying to not tell Marder about anything they're doing and the kind of horrible stuff that they get up to while Marda has got this kind of naive angelic view on the path of the open hand and has kind of been like oh yes this is all amazing and perfect and fine I can't wait and you know Marda's always asking mother if she can go off into the galaxy and spread the word of the path of the open hand and things like that and the mothers just keep saying no basically you're not ready you can't no you stay here you've got a natural attunement with the younglings and so you need to stay with them so it's interesting having that family dynamic when you have an older sibling or a close family member who can kind of do what they want because they're older and you're kind of stuck there not being able to do anything because no one listens to you enough because you're not old enough or experienced enough or whatever. And I like that element as well. These are these are all very intriguing elements that are just make that make people question themselves. And that's, I think, what a good thing about YA is, is that you're not meant to make teenagers or young people, you know, abandon their families and their religious beliefs and give up on having a career but it's that kind of age where you need to start questioning things and i think a very common theme in star wars because it's shown with the empire and the first order is that if you ask a question and you're told you're not allowed to ask that question that's usually quite a big red flag you know if there's an organization that's doing something that you don't understand they should be able to tell you why they're doing it that's kind of a given and if they're not telling you there's normally a nefarious reason why not obviously excluding things like surprise parties i'm talking about actual serious things but I really like that element as well, where it's all about asking questions and finding your way in the galaxy. That's all the stuff that I just love. So those are my general thoughts on the book itself. And I'm now going to delve into a little bit more spoilery stuff. I'm going to give you an overview of the plot, but I'm also going to talk about a few just plot details that I found interesting. So one of them is that Marda, when she's looking after the children, the younglings, as they call them in here, the littles, one of them is Tromac, which is Elder Tromac from the High Republic Adventures comics in phase one. It's the person that Yoda goes off into space with to get the artifacts, I think, are the things that wake up the nameless and then they get trapped on a planet. That's who Elder Tromac was. And he was a person who raised Zine Morala as well. So really interesting, a little connection there. then there's just like these, uh, symbols that the path of the open hand they draw like this three lines on their foreheads with blue paint and it's meant to be three sort of wavy lines signifying the living force so it's meant to be symbolizing freedom harmony and clarity and then I already mentioned, but I'm going to say them again: is that there's a group of force users or force sensitives that meet on Jeddah. There's the Guardians of the Wills, which obviously is from um, Chirrut Imwe and Baze Malbus, which are the two sort of monks from Rogue One. Chirrut Imwe obviously is amazing. He's got the staff and he's the blind monk. So they're parts of the Guardians of the Wills. Then you've got the Jedi, which is self-explanatory. You've got Church of the Force, which I mentioned is connected to Law Santeca, a group of individuals who aren't specifically force sensitive but believe in the light side of the Force and the Jedi, that sort of things. Kind of like an acolyte of, the Sith, but for the Jedi. In, in short, it's not quite that simple, but that's kind of a good parallel to draw. And the last is the Sorcerers of Tund, T-U-N-D. So they were in Legends for quite a bit before they came into the canon. So in the Legends, they were in the Old Republic, they were mentioned in Darth Plagueis, but they first appeared in Lando Calrissian and the Mind Harp of Sharu. I didn't even know Lando had this many books because I'm I'm calling it on Wikipedia and I did not realize there were so many Lando books, but then obviously my Legends knowledge is not quite as uh, up to scratch as my canon knowledge is. Uh, But in canon, they were actually mentioned briefly in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, which obviously Kevin Scott wrote and he said there are, some High Republic connections there that people may not be aware of yet. Basically in the Bogan collection, uh, Dooku and sifo find this artifact and it's owned by the sorcerers, or was owned by the sorcerers of Tund. And then aside from that, it's basically all High Republic stuff. So they first were mentioned in Path of Deceit, but you first see them in High Republic number one, as in the 2022 run of this phase. So we're going to get a bit more of them, I believe, as it goes on. I've heard that they're in the Battle of Jeddah a fair amount, too. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they go. As I said, I love seeing about more Force users and Force sensitives. Obviously, the Witches of Dathomir, both in Legends and in canon, are really, really interesting, too. So I, I just, I just love that element of things. Another thing to note in this book is that they're actually building a ship and the ship is called the Gaze Electric. So you actually get to see the main flagship of the Nile fleet they are obviously building. So the reason for doing that is because it's the hint of these people are going to become the Nile. And something I wanted to mention as well in this spoiler part of the review was that the cover art for Path of Deceit somewhat mirrors the Path of Vengeance cover art. So, Path of Vengeance is going to be in the second wave of the second phase of the High Republic, and it's a young adult book written by Cavan Scott. So, the cover of Path of Deceit has got Mardaro, the mother, and Kevmo on the front with the Jedi emblem kind of in the background. Path of Vengeance has got what looks to be the mother, probably, or maybe Mardaro, on the cover with a couple of Jedi in the background, but in the forefront there is a symbol scratched onto the floor so obviously the ya books are going to kind of slowly show that element of things like where the nameless came from because they do feature in this book which i'll get into in a little bit that's going to be the major spoilery part towards the end but It's just really interesting seeing like where all these books are going. So I think the junior novels seemingly are going to be more so about the exploration side of this era of the High Republic, you know, Pathfinder teams, going out, finding new places, and kind of discovering what's all about, helping locals, that sort of thing. I think the YA books are gonna go into kind of the darkness of where the nameless came from and why the Nile even kind of exists. But then the adult novels, because I haven't yet read Convergence, and then we've got I think Cataclysms coming out as well next year, which is gonna be in wave two. I'm interested to see where it all kind of goes, because in the Phase 1 of The High Republic, the adult books were like the main fight against the Nile and the Republic basically getting terrorized by the Nile the YA books were kind of around the Drengir to a degree and then they kind of l- looped around after the comics took over the Drengir storylines and then it was kind of about hyperspace prospecting and those sorts of things and then the final book was kind of like the crescendo the finale of the fallen star there was lots of attacks by the Nile at the same time and that was showing one of them and the junior novels of phase one was like showing stories going on that were parallel to the adult novels so So it's like the event would happen in the adult novels and then it's kind of the junior novels is a slightly toned down different perspective of those things. But that doesn't seem to be the case in phase two which I am quite intrigued about because I want all of them to kind of stand on their own or at least I want the the junior novels to kind of tell their own story. The YA books to kind of tell their own story and then the adult books to kind of tell their own story but all of them intermingling and connecting referencing each other which is what seems to be happening. So I'm very excited to see where this all kind of goes. I'm very excited for Path of Vengeance now. And obviously I'm very excited to read Convergence as well once I have finished Quests for the Hidden City. So these would be sort of my final thoughts. This is less so my thoughts. This is more me just giving major, 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 major spoilers. So this is your warning. Okay, the book's been out for a little while now, so it should be ample time. But this is spoilers. If you want to pick up the book, please turn this off now because this will somewhat ruin your experience if you haven't. But for those who have read the book or for those who haven't but don't intend to and want to just know the general idea of the story, what happens is that the mother has had this egg the whole time or this weird jewel thing this entire time and is giving everyone who is somewhat force sensitive bad vibes. And what happens is Yana Rose's partner goes off on a mission. This Corpluth, who is uh, the Herald's daughter, goes off and gets killed. Then it sets Yana into somewhat of a spiral. Then it sets Yana into somewhat of a spiral. Uh, and then she kind of confronts the mother and Marder and all these things. Then while that's happening, the Jedi start to kind of figure out what's kind of going on and confront the path as well. And then what happens is that... The jewel egg thing that the mother has hatches, and a monster comes out, or a blob. It launches at Zala, and then it kills Zala by calcifying her. Then after calcifying her, it seems to get stronger. Then it goes after Kevmo. Kevmo does just about escape, but he is... Wounded by this creature, and he's still panicking and stuff. And he basically slowly turns to stone. He does manage to talk to Marda beforehand. She's completely confused, wondering what's going on, and then she goes to confront the mother as well. And then the mother um, basically explains to her, You've done everything right. Do you want to join us and we'll golf into the galaxy? I know you wanted to be this child of the path and you want to golf and explore the galaxy, and we kept saying no to you, but now you can. Now you can come with us. You can do something important. You can come aboard the Gaze Electric and leave. And so it's this horrible stuff that's happened, and this big moral question from Marder, and she goes along with the path. So all this horrible stuff happens, this person that she's basically in, some not quite a relationship, but she definitely has feelings for, this Kevmo, she watches him die, kind of knows how he was killed, but then... The mother convinces her says, look, this is what it's meant to be. This is how it's meant to go. They use the force. These are the consequences. And so she accepts that. While Yana, she's the one who then starts to rebel a bit more. And she wants to rebel and push back and all that stuff. But eventually she does kind of cave. But then she speaks to the Herald, who's obviously the dad of her love interest who's recently passed away. And the Herald basically says to her, look, I'm planning and scheming against the mother join me be on my side but go with the flow of all this stuff and we will be able to sort this out we'll be able to get rid of the mother and all these things just you know stick by me and she does and i really liked that element and it seems like no one's going to find out about these two jedi who went off but there's one character that i hadn't mentioned and it's called aslin rel they're only mentioned in the first chapter or so and then right at the very end but they're basically a jedi i think they kind of dropped off Kevmo and zala like to the planet um, of dalna and then went off and you know did other stuff around the republic but then They were told that, oh, no one's really heard from Kev Moazala for a while. Why don't you go check on them? And that's how the book kind of ends. So I'm really interested to see how this goes, because I assume that Aslin isn't going to find the calcified corpses of Kevma or zala or if they do, they're going to get killed before reporting it, because from what I understand, the Jedi weren't aware of the calcification thing when it happens in Phase One of the High Republic. So, uh, very, very interesting stuff, conspiracy and intrigue, and uh, really, really, really good writing. So, absolutely loved this book. As I said, is one of my favourites of the High Republic so far, one of my favourite Star Wars books. I know a lot of people going on about it on social media. And I obviously tried to avoid all that as much as I could. But now I've read it, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I get it. It's amazing. Really, really, really good book. So I thoroughly enjoyed it and I recommend it to all of you. But, my friends, this is where the review basically ends. So, thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you check out my wide variety of other High Republic content. I have done book reviews on all of the junior, young adult, and adult novels. I have tackled every single comic for the High Republic. That's the High Republic Adventures, that's the High Republic Marvel run, that's the Monster at Temple Peak miniseries, that's the two parter of Eye of the Storm, which is the Marcion Rowe series. I have tackled all of them. I've gone through the storylines of all the comics, as well as the many connections along the way, so you can get a good understanding of the comics, and for the book reviews, I've done what I've done here. Spoiler free to begin with, little bit of spoilers in the middle, and then an overview of the plot and some spoiler details towards the end. So if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for checking out the show, I really appreciate it. Please check out the other stuff on my either feed, or channel, or whatever, wherever you're listening to this. If you're on the feed of Comics in Motion, check out the other amazing shows. If you are on youtube.com slash genuine chat, check out the playlists. You can listen to our conversation I've had about Star Wars you can including with Kevin Scott and Claudia Gray you can listen to my other book reviews you can check out all my other Star Wars content or you can just listen to something that's got nothing to do with Star Wars if you want a bit of a break but either way please subscribe to Genuine Chit Chat on YouTube and please subscribe to the Comics in Motion podcast feed as well And then what have we got coming up over the next few weeks? Well, I have got the Tales of the Rancor Pit, which is Kevin Scott's anthology horror series that's in the same sort of vein as the Vader's Castle stuff. So I'll be doing that at some point. I think next up is going to be either Dr. Aphra or Darth Vader. So there's four or five comics set after Crimson Reign before we get into Hidden Empire. So I'm going to be tackling that. Uh, Then I've also got there's like one or two other comics i received recently and i'm trying to remember what the earth they were but they're escaping me but it's basically going to be the vader comics between crimson rain and and hidden empire the afro comics in the same vein uh tales of the rancor pit i'm about halfway through the the quest of the hidden city book now so i'm hoping in about a month i'll have the review for that sorted too i've also got a review hidden away for the force collector but i think i may just release that on my patreon i don't know i'll i'll think about that Uh, and then also there's the the clone wars battle comics and then once the high republic comics come out a bit more then i'll be able to do the collections of those so i'll do the first basically the first five issues normally is like the first wave so the first wave is the first three books the first five comics of each respective run and then normally like a mini series i think the mini series for this is going to start in the second wave which i think is the blade so there's those things as well all to be tackling over the next few weeks so it's going to be somewhat higher republic content as well as continuing with the crimson rain hidden empire crossover event that's going on in afro vader bounty hunters and the star wars run plus there's the yoda mini series that started there's the han solo and chewbacca series which is coming to an end soon ish so i'll do the second part of that as well there's the tales of the rankle pit there's clone wars battle tales there's the i've also got the guardians of the Will's manga adaptation book which i do keep meaning to do but there's so much higher republic content coming out so maybe before season two of Andor comes out i'll i'll tackle the guardians of the Wills um, about Chirrut and Wayne and Baze Malbus, who obviously I spoke about slightly earlier. So that'd be quite an interesting one but that's basically what i'm up to over the next few weeks on this very feed obviously you can check out my other podcast genuine chit chat which i've already kind of somewhat plugged but youtube's a pretty good place to get all of my stuff you can follow me on social media at genuine chit chat on instagram twitter and on facebook you can also support the show by sharing on social media by leaving reviews on spotify or apple Podcasts or good pods or places like that tell your friends about it as well that's really really handy send it to people that like star wars that's always a bit of fun and then the main way you can support the show is going to patreoncom genuinechitchat. For as little as 1 pound a month or $1.50 or whatever it turns into depending on what day of the week you're looking at this because of exchange rates and etc. You get access to over 120 episodes of Afterthoughts. So I've released I think nine book reviews on there right now. Um they're not quite the same format as this but they're quite similar. I've done some canon stuff and I've done quite a lot of legend stuff. I've done the Darth Bane trilogy, Darth Plagueis, Shatterpoint. I've just recorded my Rogue Squadron review as well, which is the first in the X-Wing series. I've listened to the Revan book as well so I'm gonna be doing that I've been listening to uh, Darth Maul's Shadow Hunter, so I'll be doing that as well uh, plus there's the you know, canon books on there too but also there's a lot of afterthoughts to do with Megan so Megan's my partner and we review tv shows or movies or live performances we've seen like Les Miserables or the Book of Mormon or the great British Bake Off musical which exists and is brilliant uh, as well as lots of other things there so you get at least one episode of afterthoughts every week some weeks you'll get two as well and you get early access to genuine chit episodes and there's a few other bonuses as well but for the lowest tier, you will get access to this audio feed that has hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Afterthoughts, so just hours of additional content. So please consider checking that out. But my friends, I think that's gonna be enough from me. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please check out the show notes. There's loads of information in there, including other episodes that may intrigue you that are kind of related to this in the High Republic vein. And uh yeah, support the creators of this, be nice to each other. Thank you for supporting the show as always. I'll speak to you next week with whatever I land on, probably Afro or Vader, and as always, may the force Be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.